0: Welcome to Conflict Managed. I'm your host, Mary Brown. Today on Conflict Managed, we're joined by Shelly Kay, a leading career coach and speaker, an expert in changing the way women work so they can expand their leadership and maximize their impact at work without burning out. Shelly leverages 10 plus years of work as a top HR leader for Fortune 100 companies like Google, PepsiCo, and GE to help women experience what it means to thrive in their careers. Shelly is committed to helping high-achieving women have it all, job satisfaction, career success, and the life outside the office. Good morning, Shelly, and welcome to Conflict Managed. Thank you, Mary. So happy to be here. I've been really looking forward to our conversation today. Yeah, thanks. Well, let's go ahead and start, as we usually do on this podcast. Will you tell us about your work history, starting with the
1: first job you ever had? Yes. Taking me down memory lane here. So I think the very first job I had was babysitting. I did a lot of that. But my first job where I got a paycheck and, you know, actually interviewed with somebody was being a lifeguard and swim instructor. And I learned a really important lesson in that job of being careful what you take responsibility for. Um, yeah, I had, uh, like a student when I was teaching swim lessons, get in the water when they shouldn't have. And I was like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. It's all my fault. And my boss was like, it wasn't all your fault, actually. So be careful of what you say is your fault. And that has stuck with me because it is great to take ownership and accountability and especially as women, sometimes we take on more than
0: we need. That's such a great point because I, I know I have suffered from that. And I do see a lot of women suffering from over apologizing. Uh, yes. And it's, that's not healthy. It, both sides are not healthy. Mm-hmm. You should take responsibility for what you've done. You should take credit for what you've done. But don't be demure and say, oh, I, you know, that's not that great. Or, oh, I'm so sorry I did all these things. It's an art yeah. to taking proper
1: credit. It is. Yes. And I think at the time I thought that the noble thing to do was to take the entire burden myself so that other people wouldn't get in trouble, you know, the lifeguard on duty, the person that I was teaching with, etc. But actually like that doesn't help anyone because we all had like in that specific instance we all had a piece to learn and take from it including the student who didn't follow instruction <laughs> so yeah so i agree it is um it's so important and it's truly something to like continue to evaluate over time as we evolve in our careers what a
0: great lesson to learn young that's took me a while I'm sure I'm still
1: learning it but that's great yeah yeah thank you so from there I graduated I think my next job I had some internships in the financial services industry I think there I really learned that I didn't want to go into finance (laughs) (laughs) so you know our jobs teach us what I like and they teach us what we don't absolutely Uh, Yeah. And, um, and then I also had a job in college working at the library. And, um, you know, I gave people a lot of free printing. And I did that, because I just wanted to help my friends out. And now that I'm running my own business, I know that it does not, we do not give things away for free. (laughs) But at the time, I was really leaning into that. Um, yes. And then I started working in the real world after college. I started in finance. Despite learning that I wasn't really my thing, I continued to pursue it for a little bit. Then eventually, HR. Um, did HR for like 12 years. And now I turned that expertise into my own coaching practice, supporting corporate women. That's wonderful. Tell us about that. Yeah. So I guess one other thing, not really related to jobs, but throughout my life, I have had a really big passion for development and professional development. So in high school, I was really into student council and like putting on events and all the things, growing my leadership. Um, and then in college I was really passionate about this business fraternity that I was in. I was VP professional, very st- very prestigious position for a whole year. Um, and I just always gravitated towards creating opportunities for people to grow and develop their skills. So just always been a thing that's been on my mind, on my heart. And um, as an HR professional, you know you are very much serving that role of helping people grow and develop, and you are also limited at times by what you can say, what you can share, how you can support someone, because ultimately it's a professional relationship, and you're you know you're managing legal risk, and um, you need to stay within your bounds. But I had my own experience of times when I felt really overworked, Um, you know, talking about taking too much of the blame. I think there's also a whole nother thing about taking too much of the workload Mm -hmm, (laughs) and not, mm -hmm. you know, figuring out the balance with that and also not knowing how to advocate for myself and then getting to this place towards the end of my time in corporate where I felt really confident advocating for myself. I felt really confident about my skills and what I brought to the table. And I was really good at setting boundaries and having a balance. And I saw so many of the managers that I was working with really struggling with that. That I saw the skill set that they had, how much they brought to the table, how much value they were providing, and how much their health and their personal life we're suffering, Mm -hmm. um, as a result of taking on a really insane workload. And, you know, I just reached the point where I'm like, I, I see this opportunity and I feel that I'm in a much better position to provide support as a coach and not as an HR manager. Mm-hmm. And for me to really bring like the personal side into this because so much of it is personal. Yeah. Um. You know, we have a whole history and ingrained beliefs and all of this that, that then shape the way we do our work. And, you know, having advice from a manager, your HR professional, a mentor, those things are all wonderful. But to really get to the root of whatever is causing lack of sustainability or lack of fulfillment in your career, you know, we have to do that deeper exploration. Um, and so that's, yeah, that's, that's the mission that I started my practice with and it's like super rewarding. I love my clients. I love the work that I get to do. And as you know, Mary, as a fellow entrepreneur, like it's also its own whole roller coaster journey. <laughs> that is that is so true. So, Shelly, what changed for
0: you? So, it sounded like you suffered from what a lot of us suffer from is a um, very difficult trying to find that work-life balance, taking on too much. And so, it sounded like you experienced that, but then something changed, and you were able to master that for yourself. What was there an event or what happened?
1: Yeah, I feel there were multiple events. One, the first one that really stuck out to me is one of my first managers when I was in HR. And I was trying so hard to prove myself coming from finance. I really wanted to show that I could do it, make it in HR. And my manager sat me down and she was like, you need to chill the beep out. And it was such a wake-up call because I thought that me overworking myself and becoming obsessive about doing a good job was the ticket to doing a good job. Mm. And actually, it was just making it really obvious how hard I was trying to prove myself. Mm. So that was an initial step for sure. And then I had a period of really solid balance after that um, for, I would say, like four years. And then funnily enough, when I started another position, I was kind of new. Yeah, I would say I was in my first six months of the role. And it was just a random series of events where my manager's husband was going through cancer treatment my colleague then needed to have an emergency medical surgery and I was all of a sudden the one who was there and I just took it all on I saw this is my opportunity to shine this is my opportunity to make a mark blah 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 kind of the same proving yourself situation and um I'm like you know husband managing cancer emergency surgery like how could I argue with that? And it, actually, I, was, I went through a breakup at the time. And so I was like couch surfing, like didn't have a place to live. And so I was going through my own stress, but I chose to just ignore it because it wasn't as bad as what my colleagues were going through. So I just threw myself into the work. And I had a major light bulb moment when I had booked a yoga retreat for myself over Thanksgiving And I was in the lobby of the yoga retreat center until two o'clock in the morning, the night before Thanksgiving, doing work. Hmm. And I arrived at the yoga retreat late and got a speeding ticket on the way there because I was so busy working. So like all of those things are like, this is supposed to be your relaxing weekend to disconnect and you can't. And I just realized actually another person at the yoga retreat had called me out. Mm-hmm. And like, we were just chatting, you know, a nice woman, we were making friends and she's like, well, you were up until 2am. So I feel like I can call you out on, you know, whatever we were chatting." I'm like, you're so right. Like, how can I tell you that you deserve to, to relax and enjoy this when I'm not doing it myself, I need to protect my time and my workload. Even if that means an executive isn't going to have access to me on a holiday weekend. and But that's the the precedent that I want to set with them versus I'm the person who's available all the time and willing to work on holidays. So that was a huge turning point moment for me. And that then really shaped the balance that I was able to have. And I saw that, oh, my career, it kept progressing. You know, I got like three promotions in that, within that company, all while having great balance and no one ever said you're not available enough or you're not proactive enough, or you're not this enough, or you're not that enough. It was never an issue. And so that really built my confidence of, oh, this, I can operate this way and I'm happier and I actually deliver a better product and everyone around me ultimately wants me to be happy, too. I never had an, an executive say, "Hey, why did you respond to my email on the weekend? Why did you wait till Monday morning? So um so that helped. and really, I think during that time is when my confidence in my skill set really grew too. And I just, yeah, that's really when I started being able to advocate for myself and I saw it pay off.
0: You know, it's so amazing that sometimes we think we're indispensable or we have to be available, as you said, holiday weekends or all hours or else or else what? You know, we I don't know if this was motivation for you, but for me, fear, you know, fear of uh, not being listened to or fear of being passed over or. But getting over that fear or whatever roadblocks those are to the other side to realize, oh, actually. I'm going to flourish if I take care that of happens. myself.
1: Yes. Yes. And like other people are going to respond to that too. Right. Yeah. Because then your real gifts can shine.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. When you are
1: overworked and driving yourself into the ground, it's really hard to like have space for, you know, your creativity. Like your collaborative ideas, innovation, you know, whatever it is, like, because you're just exhausted. Yeah.
0: So spending 12 years in HR, I know that HR professionals do a whole host of things. But of course, one thing that typically HR individuals help with are conflicts in the workplace. What have you seen through your career is um, maybe the most effective to help people deal with the situation and move forward?
1: Yeah, I think as an HR professional, I was always reminded of the power of listening to understand, Mm -hmm. like truly providing the space to hear someone out for the sole purpose of understanding where they're coming from. Because it's rarely a case where it's a black and white, right and wrong situation. And each perspective has validity. And ultimately, people want to feel heard. And like their perspective is given time and attention. And I feel that 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 was something I was more easily able to do as an HR person coming in from the outside, right? Having a fresh perspective and I could sit with people individually to really understand. And like you, you ask those clarifying questions as you go that really show, okay, I'm with you on this journey. And, and that's how you build trust. And then I think spending time with both parties, opening their mind to the perspective of others like hey like i really understand where you're coming from and this is also something to consider that type of thing so i think first they need the space to be heard but once that has been established i think openness to hearing other sides becomes easier and when you have, the other thing is you need to have two people, maybe more in a conflict that actually want it to work out yeah. because sometimes you have someone who's already made up their mind about the situation. And in that case, like their perspective, of course, still has validity, but if they are only okay with one move forward solution and it being their way and no compromise, then you can only get so far. Mm -hmm. Um, And that, like, it doesn't leave much space for anything to be resolved. But when you have people who truly want an outcome that serves everyone, you can get there. Absolutely. Yeah, and even times when I thought, oh, this is a done deal. <laughs> but there's like that ounce that you're able to uncover of, like, okay, okay, like she gets what I'm saying. Now I can be a little bit open to a different perspective. And like that little teeny tiny crack can turn into a window, can turn into a sliding door, you know, can turn yes. into, and so. Even if it's small, you can work with it, but it needs to be there in some capacity.
0: Yeah. I love everything that you just said, but some, some things stuck out to me, this idea of listening listening solely to understand. Mm-hmm. We rarely can quiet ourselves to not be filled with our own agenda of, okay, I'm listening. I've got this next thing I need to do. And then I'm going to move you to this next point and move you to the next point. But to give the gift of that person in front of you, your full attention and you're there to listen to them, not to change their mind or whatever it might be. I mean, that's, I think that's the start of it, right? Giving, Mm -hmm. giving that person the, the real gift of your attention and that you're really listening with no agenda. You just, you're genuinely curious. You genu- genuinely want to hear their perspective, as you said, that they're valuable. It is their perspective. What even if it clashes with whatever you hope they're going to say, you know, you hope they'll be open or whatever, but listening, it's, I find that difficult as a mediator to, um, cause I've got my own life. We all have our own lives. We, you know, have what's going on after work, but to quiet yourself and really be present with the other person so that you can listen. And it it does take time, but I always feel like when it comes to conflict, if you don't take that time up front, it's like with your health. If you don't take it up front, it's gonna be more time intensive, more expensive, and a lot more damage has gonna be caused. So just take that pause. And if it's a half an hour, an hour, whatever it may be, you are actually saving time by taking time and caring for people. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It is a deposit in the relationship.
0: Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I also like what you said that people, uh, one of the ten is a, a mediation is that it's voluntary because there's no use of having people there that don't want to mm-hmm. be there. It won't work. It's, it's based on that these two people are willing to do something. And I love what you said, even if it's just a crack, you know, you might talk to somebody and I've had this experience. I talk to somebody, I'm like, oh, they're dead set, but they're here. And it's amazing how when you set the conditions that people, people do want to be heard and they do want to have good work environments and they do want to find a solution. They're usually at their wits end and they are just entrenched in a particular position because they don't see any other way another way hasn't been gifted to them and going through that process of conflict resolution where you're just there to help people through the process these things that we think are just a little tiny sliver as you said can really open up and a, a wonderful change can happen
1: yeah definitely so Shelly, when you think through your career,
0: is there a particular person, coworker, boss, institution that you've worked for mm. that really resonated with you, that was uh, really nourishing and um, was a good environment? And what was good about it for you?
1: Yeah. So my last employer was Google. And there's a lot of things that really served me at Google. One is they were, they, I mean, they still are, but for the time when I started, which was in 2018, they were very progressive on social justice and racial equity initiatives. And it pushed me to challenge my own biases. It opened my mind to different ways of thinking. Um, And I, I, I just really appreciated that as a person in my own journey, because you only know what you have exposure to. And I will forever be grateful for the exposure that I had, like in my first couple of weeks Mm -hmm. at Google, um, focused on workplace equity and managing with equity and really, um, challenging, yeah, the way that I thought about things. It was just so healthy coming from, I came from very, very established companies before that. And so just realizing, oh, there's a different way to think about things. There's a different way to run things. And like, this is a different goal and priority and felt really refreshing. Um, And what also felt refreshing is having a bit more of a laid back culture like wearing jeans every day was new for me at the time. Now, so many of us are working from home. We're like, oh, jeans. No, I'm not wearing anything with a zipper. But like, <laughs> at the time, being able to wear jeans every day felt like a huge exhale. Being able to bring my dog to work a couple days a week was so nice. Um And I did have a manager at the time as well. I am also a yoga instructor. I don't really teach much anymore, but I love mindfulness. I love yoga. And I had a manager who gave us the option of starting each meeting with a short two minute meditation. And that felt also really nourishing for me. And I felt like in this more relaxed environment, um, i just felt more liberty to be myself and to be more honest and the more myself i was the more i felt it was appreciated um and that i think is so important for our happiness and our fulfillment in our jobs and we so often just think oh it's work that's just the way it is you know mm-hmm. you got to be buttoned up you got to be professional you got to be whatever and Now I challenge that. And I'm like, what is professional? You know, you can still be yourself and be professional. It doesn't mean you have to fake it or, you know, hide your opinion or whatever. But I think we sometimes interpret it to be that way. And that can become a prison for ourselves.
0: I am currently doing this little series on LinkedIn about how to be unprofessional at work. Um, because (laughs) I think it's, you know, I've been thinking a lot about this because, um, people have been talking about quote unquote, unprofessional hair, right. And certainly Mm. targeting women of color and, or people of color. And, you know, so what is unprofessional? I mean, I think it's absolutely ridiculous to say somebody's hair is unprofessional. So what is it? And a lot of times people say, oh, you know, I, I don't know. So I thought, well, well, let's think about what, is unprofessional and i think like today is number 5 be petty right you know and so the things you know so being overly concerned with the little things that your colleagues your colleagues are doing and you know being vengeful and yeah that's unprofessional so you know i i like that idea of a relaxed environment of actually being more professional because what is it doing you're trusting the people that you hired to be adults we are not children and we do not need to be policed by the people that employ us. We're adults. And when you treat people and give them a lot of latitude so that they can flourish and thrive and make decisions, people rise to the occasion because we want that. As you've said, we crave that
1: environment. Yes, exactly.
0: So, conversely, have you had a negative experience with a coworker or an institution? And what was bad about it for you and how did it resolve?
1: Yeah, you know, I feel overall pretty lucky because I have had positive experiences and I've been surrounded by people who really did support me. But I think one challenging time was more in the beginning of my career, again, working in a more established kind of old school culture. And although I felt like my team overall wanted to support me, I did feel that at times the feedback that I would receive was petty, was nitpicky. And that was really challenging because it felt really personal. Um, And yeah, I think that now that i'm so removed from it i can see it wasn't about me at all and people who are giving really you know picky feedback about insignificant things you know that's their own journey of the expectations that they're putting on themselves their own expectations of perfection or whatever that is um and that it actually wasn't like you know, I was younger in my career, I would get nervous, and I would blush. And I got feedback about my blushing is something that I had no control over. And so to receive that feedback was really challenging, because I i mean, what can you do? It's just my natural reaction to nervous situations. And I, I see, I've totally outgrown that that response to things. But I see now that that was a reaction of being in a high pressure environment where I didn't feel the freedom to mess up or be imperfect or whatever that is. And so that's how my anxiety and stress manifested in that situation. And so I, yeah, I look back, I have tremendous compassion for myself and I have compassion for the people who gave me that feedback and really strongly felt, you know, this high bar of perfection for everyone. And so, you know, at the time, I wish I could have seen it, right? Instead of taking it so personally, but it's now a marker for how I view things. And, and I'm able, you know, even in roles that felt amazing, I would still sometimes get feedback that didn't really resonate with me and I'm like hey I get to choose of course you want to receive it and understand you know the implications and um you can decide what you what feels really true for you as something to work on and be an opportunity and what doesn't and and that's okay you know it's different if it's like you are failing at your job right like then i think there's like certain like benchmarks that you need to take really seriously but this is fine tuning and somewhat like i've gotten feedback about my my verbal expressions or how i speak the intonation of my voice and is that something that i want to spend a lot of time and energy focusing on and changing no it's not and um And that's liberating. Yeah. So I think that's, yeah, that's what I would want everyone listening, like any tough situation you can take from it, your lessons, and you'll know what those ones are for you. And you get to leave some of it behind if it's not serving you.
0: Yeah. We learn those tough lessons, you know, that it's not all about us. So a lot of times the feedback we get isn't, as you said, about us. It's a reflection of the other person, their insecurities, their values, their pressures, whatever it is. And it is not really yeah. about us. And yeah. and that's that's a hard lesson to learn when you feel like it is about you. Yeah. And the the fact of the matter is that we aren't these little computers and these little logic machines. We are persons that have emotional responses. You know, belonging is a really important part of the human experience by nature. We tend toward to gather together. And so we read all these social cues and it makes, it, and then it's our livelihood. So I mean, there's all this stuff that gets packed into feedback that I know that some organizations are trying to overall overall haul how they do feedback, and I'm certainly not a proponent of the once a year um, employee uh, review. I think it's ridiculous for a variety of reasons, but we want to encourage people. And not be picky. And at the same time, if somebody, let's suppose, is doing something um, that's either detrimental or just really not the way we want it, we it's done or we need it to be done, to let them know. And so it's, I think there's a lot of different ways that you can give feedback that is um, life-giving, that is nurturing. And uh, it can still be difficult to hear. That's okay you know we do lots of difficult things and we don't always perform well and it's hard to hear and that's okay i just think that what we need most is the positive reinforcement given i think the human condition and you're going to get mm-hmm. more you're going to get more out of people if you focus on what they're doing well and help them be even better at it than focus on what they're not doing well and making you know every all everybody has to fall through this one little peg but the wonderful thing about diversity is that there's actually a wide variety of ways to get a job done and it will be done be done better if we take advantage of the wide variety of perspectives
1: yes yes
0: i have a a dear friend my best friend and uh she thinks that um well she has told me that uh one way that she thinks performance evaluations ought to be done is that that you should never get, let's say, let's say you have, there's a five. Nobody should ever get a five because everybody is progressing. There's always stuff to work on. And my first response internally is nobody's a five because nobody's a number. I don't like numbers, assigning numbers to persons. And well, of course, nobody is perfect, but I'm not sure why that needs to be part of the job evaluation. I just, I just don't see the real value either, certainly not the human value and certainly not the dollar sense value maybe this is counter-cultural I don't know but when I think about a human-centric workplace and really helping people be their best selves which is good business sense focusing I think really a positive psychology focusing on what people do well is good for them and good for business
1: yeah yes absolutely absolutely I um I did work, one of my employers was transitioning to not having ratings at all. And I think it's a wonderful thing because it comes back to that conversation. Like you just mentioned, it shouldn't be a one-time-a-year thing. But being really intentional about what we're celebrating about someone and how we assign value, yes, I think, I think it's a great evolution.
0: Yeah, I hope so. I think it's a hard, it's a hard sell because it seems right now we're obsessed with numbers, right? Because it's yeah. very hard to quantify how well someone is doing if you don't have a rubric. And the mm-hmm. rubric tells us, oh, you're a three out of four or a whatever. And I can measure all of your different outputs and everything. And I can see exactly what this matrix is. In this, I think... Um, good effort to try to be equitable, right? We want mm-hmm. to be objective and we want to rate everyone. And I think that's laudable, but it's misguided because every person's different and every circumstance is different. And let's suppose that you put on a yearly event, that yearly event will be different every year, given the year, the people, the theme. And so these ratings that we crave, I think are ultimately, they're ultimately false, And they're not telling us the truth. And I think it gets us away from a person-centric environment where we really require managers to pay attention constantly to the humans in front of them.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Yes. How did that go over uh, this employer
1: who was getting rid of rating systems? Did it work? You know, I was only there at the very beginning and the biggest the biggest pushback was compensation. Of course. Because our ratings so clearly tied to compensation and there were still going to be different compensation grades based on performance. It just wasn't going to be a very strict formula with specific multipliers and, and all of that. Um, so I think people were skeptical, but I personally was excited.
0: Yeah, I'm not saying it's easy. It's much easier yeah. to say you deserve X amount of dollars because this is the number that you got. But then once you talk to people about the number they got, a lot of times they feel like well, it's not fair. You didn't take this into consideration. Mm-hmm. You didn't take this into consideration. You're using the wrong rubric. So it gets pushed down someplace, right? Uh, yeah. And I think the more conversations frank, transparent conversations, the more we treat people as adults and say, hey, this is Mm -hmm. the way it is. And I love salary transparency. The more that we do that, the more I think you can push the envelope of, okay, well, this is the way it is. This is what's happened this quarter, this year, and this is how we're going to handle it. And these are our reasons. You can agree or not agree, but this is our rationale. Yeah. So is there any sort of advice Advice that you give or has been given to you about
1: how to deal with adversity at work? Mm. Well, one thing that I have, one piece of advice I've given my clients is assuming positive intent Mm -hmm. because so often we will observe someone else's behavior or words and we create our own story about it which is completely natural, right? But it's actually rare that someone wants to cause harm. Usually there are positive intentions or a, a reason behind why someone communicated something a certain way, why they took a particular action, whatever it is. And so... Taking that step back to assume, oh, they had a good reason, you know, it was in good spirit, it can really change the dynamic um, and open up that conversation for like, oh, what would be the more effective way to approach this moving forward? Um, so I I remind myself of that, but definitely it's been a consistent theme with my clients who have specifically been feeling like they're struggling with their manager. Mm-hmm.
0: That's great advice. Would we assume um, positive intent on somebody, it's much easier to work with them. If we think they're nefarious and they're out to get us, they're irrational. Why would we want to work with them? And then we can get very, we can catastrophize and think, well, nothing's going to get better since they're out to get me. I love that. That's, that's, that's very important to, to keep in mind. So, Shelly, as we close, is there a piece of advice or really, what do you think needs to have have happened to have healthier
1: work environments going into the future? Hmm. I think the biggest thing is helping employees and employees taking responsibility to really be connected with themselves and what their values are, what their bigger purpose in this life is like what their strengths are what lights them up because i think so often in our back to back meeting you know long checklist of to do's we lose sight of these things that make us so special and that ultimately make us excited about our job and give us that edge to, to bring, to like make a difference and really bring our own flavor to our work. Um, and, and this is, that's where I start with all my clients and it's transformational yet. So few of us do it right. Mm -hmm. Like until I started, until I went through my own coaching training, I couldn't tell you what my values were. I couldn't tell you what my purpose was in life, you know? I kind of knew what I was good at, but I never really thought about it. Cause I was just so focused on doing the job at hand. And I think that's when our careers start to happen to us. Yeah. And that's when we start to feel burnt out and unmotivated and all the thing. And so I feel that each one of us has a responsibility to get clear on what we need to thrive um, and what, what thriving looks like for us and to take actions, to communicate that and protect that and, and lean into that. And I think employers can facilitate an environment where that's encouraged. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like bringing, bringing the heart and soul back to the work. Hmm.
0: Yeah, that's great. I love that. Shelly, thank you so much for spending time with us today. Yeah,
1: thank you, Mary. It's been a pleasure. Take care. Okay, thanks.
0: Bye-bye. Thank you, Shelly, for spending time with us today on Conflict Managed. I really appreciate your insights. You were such a joy to talk with today. Conflict Managed is produced by Third Party Workplace Conflict Restoration Services. I'm your host, Mary Brown. If you would like to watch one-minute videos on how to address conflict at the workplace, you can find me on TikTok at 3 P Conflict Restoration. If there's anyone that you would like to see interviewed on conflict-managed or a particular topic you would like to see covered, uh, let us know. You can reach out to us at 3PConflictRestoration at gmail.com. Our music is courtesy of Dove Pilot. And remember, conflict is normal and to be expected. Let's deal with it. Until next time, take
1: care.